0: Love the commas, love the apostrophes, love the colons and the question marks, love the words from East Leeds FM.
1: Non ho l'età no, no, l'età, per amarti. Non ho l'età.
2: Good evening, you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. So, uh, in this episode, a very special piece of audio specially created by Rosie and Verity of Better Songs Productions for Music Leeds and uh, the Abbey House Museum as part of their Sounds of Our City exhibition. Um, So we're going to have an interview with Rosie and Verity to begin with give us a bit of context about the piece with both pieces uh, first one we're going to hear today and then we're going to hear the other piece next week um, but um, first of all I'm going to read out uh, something that Lynns Wilson from Music Leeds sent to me it's a bit of background before we speak to Rosie and Verity Lynn says As part of our Launchpad programme and alongside Abbey House Museum, we held an open call to commission a Leeds-based music creator, sound artist or collective to create a new sound-based artwork or audio-focused experience inspired by the sounds of our city exhibition at Abbey House. Following the application and review process, Sonic Stops by Rosie and Verity of Better Songs was chosen. There was um, a virtual audio-visual premiere on the 20th of April, and now the soundscapes are available, and this is important to listen to online, on the, or on the bus routes they follow, when we we're all able to get back on the buses as normal. Well, that was actually at the end of May, so they might be there. And also, Linz says, in particular, be sure to read this bit, because and it really is important, because without funding, uh, these things would not happen. Launchpad is supported by Youth Music with public funding from the National Lottery through Arts Council England, alongside Leeds 2023 and Leeds City Council and as a PRS Foundation talent development partner. So we're now going to hear that interview with Rosie and Verity and straight after that, the first of those two really interesting pieces of audio that they've created for Abbey House Museum, which you can hear and you can go to Abbey House now and actually see the exhibition, which is fantastic. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM and we're talking to Verity and Rosie from Better Songs Productions. Hello both. Hello. Hello. Lovely to have you with us. In a minute we're going to be hearing uh, the first part of Sonic Stops. Uh, um, We're going to be, yeah, be lovely to hear a bit more about that project and just to give it a bit of context for us. But first of all, yeah, tell us a bit about... um, better songs
0: Verity?
3: Well we've been going I think it's strange with these Covid times isn't it Peter but I think we've been going about 18 months now I'm not sure it could be five years it could be 18 months who knows Um, (laughs) (laughs) Rosie and I kind of been working together in a sort of collective format in that way after we met at Chapel FM actually Um, and we're based here in Leeds and we're kind of we make Audio, documentary, soundscape, podcasts. I say it with this voice because it's all kind of, it never really fits in a category. And um, we we definitely have a kind of creative artistic edge where the kind of sound we're making um, really is important. Um, So if you're thinking we just kind of do conversational podcasts that's probably the furthest from the example. Um we kind of really get get deep down and dirty with sound and make interesting kind of stories. Um I don't know if that works. Rosie, do you think it does?
4: <laughs> I think that
3: works. Yeah. I think uh, but I think that's right. We're
4: quite um I think we like it best when you know we're making things that are maybe across a couple of different categories. Um and uh where yeah the sound kind of leads the the shape of it and the and the format as well because um we make things you know on different formats and different platforms so sometimes we're using things like mixcloud to put it out we're putting it out on podcast platforms or sometimes it's even you know like a like a a walk or you know something geolocated so yeah all those kinds of things
2: and the and most of what you do has a kind of community leads focus would you say
4: I think that's that's quite true um, and it's something that you know it, it's obviously it's born from you know us being in Leeds and wanting to make things about this city and um, so that's kind of naturally been a, a focus so far. Fantastic. Do you have anything to add to that Verity?
3: I, I just think yeah it's about being authentic about our storytelling really so um, you know it's not a third-hand story that we've heard somewhere else already in the paper it's really be about being a close to the people or the places that we're we're making those projects about, and obviously that's much easier to do if you live in it.
2: It's lovely to know that you met at Chapel FM. Wonderful, I really, I didn't know that, and it's. Uh, I mean, I knew you. Uh, you've both been there, and I, I, I think I've probably met you both there for the first time. But yeah, it's great. You did. That makes me happy.
3: Mm. <laughs> it's a great place to kind of meet like-minded people and fall into all sorts of different kind of things, isn't it? Yeah. Like the kind of cantina band, you know that place, what's it, on, on Tatooine where they're all sort of sitting, there sitting yeah. like, it's Star Wars, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. never know who you're going to meet from the universe of the arts world.
2: Well, that's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> so tell us about, um, about how, th- how this project, Sonic Stops, came to be, Verity.
3: Um, well, we a commission opportunity came up from um, Music Leeds and um, Abbey House Museum, as you well know, Peter. <laughs> and um, we, Rosie and I, sort of chatted it through. As as we, oh, I'm so sorry, that's my dog growling at somebody. Um, Rosie and I chatted it through. Don't worry, this is good audio. This is live radio. Yeah, yeah um, typical, typical. Um, I love it. Let, let me go and shut the door rosie you take over while i shut the door and deal with the dog i'll take over yeah um
4: so yeah this is a response to a, a commission um from music leads that is um so they were asking for responses uh, audio responses to the sounds of our city exhibition at abbey house museum which um is all about music in the city through you know through the ages and um so and it was quite an open brief you could make kind of any sort of audio uh format and any kind of response and so the way that me and Verity decided to approach it was um we wanted to create a journey across Leeds that picks up elements and materials from that exhibition and sort of places them in the city so that you experience the sounds of the stories in the context of their place and the way that you do that is via two bus journeys um so the number two And the number fifty A, which went south to north. Say that again: south to north and west to east across Leeds. Um, And I know when Verity returns, she'll want to say a bit more about buses because it's been a (laughs) a big passion for for (laughs) both of ours. But yeah.
3: We always say that we, we never really thought part of our job description would be getting out the bus map of Leeds and kind of like <laughs> looking at routes, but we, we did do quite a bit of that at the start, didn't we? Um... Extensive bus <laughs> research, I would
4: say, yeah. But well, it's a great it's,
2: it's a great <laughs> idea, and the, the, the reason for the listener why Verity said, as you well know, about that uh, about that uh, tender for for, for, for uh, you know commissions and stuff was that I applied with uh, um, uh, Dave Evans and we, we didn't get it, but congratulations. To you both, for it's very
3: magnanimous of you, Peter. Thank well, you. Oh, I didn't know.
2: <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's true. Mind you, we are taking on what we are proposed in another way. So it, it, it's always good applying for stuff because even if you don't get it, it uh, it leads to other things. And uh, and uh, so that's that's what's happened. Which is so that's a good story. But enough of me. Let's get back to you, and uh, the buses. So Verity, yeah. We how did this? It's a very good idea and a great holding form for what you've for what you intended to do. So tell us how you had the idea.
3: I think it was really inspired by... um Rosie's work on doing audio works and that was very prevalent at the time during lockdown. A lot of people were getting into them. But we realised that, that, that Leeds is so vast and has such a sort of geographical spread out kind of list of musical landmarks that doing it on a walk really couldn't do it justice. Um, and we really felt passionate about including um, as wide a range of communities as possible, you know, not just having it in the city centre and you know, sort of my old walk around there. So mm-hmm. I was sort of racking my brains of how you could kind of widen it in the audio walk format, if you like, and and a bus seemed like a sensible idea, although I'm not sure Rosie thought a bus was a sensible idea at the start. Um, But yeah, so it had its challenges, which was part of, it was a bit of a love-hate thing, wasn't it really, Rosie? The challenge to fit things in real time and, um, you know, make things last for a certain period of time and transition into another area from Mm. one. So you didn't have quite the amount of freedom you would have in a normal audio piece, but that was quite exciting after a while like how am I going to make this work and how am I going to sort of fuse those communities and it, I really it can felt be good, it can't
4: it having limitations yeah. I think you know it is and it, it is that you go oh well I've got this amount of time and the bus is you know or going past this point at this time so you know you've got to make it work with that as well as how you want the piece to flow so it was really interesting and yeah challenging at times but also you know um, made us make you know it makes you make interesting decisions I think and it's, and a, it,
2: it's a great uh sorry Verity, it's, a, it's a great exhibition actually I think it's probably still online isn't it but
4: it's it's actually still online and in real so you can go and visit it and oh. you can hear this piece as well in in the space so there's a I'll mention a few more ways at the end where you, how you can you know listen to it as well as here right now um but you can hear it in this in the in the exhibition space at the moment too
2: and did you use, because it's a lot of really interesting audio from the exhibition, you know, for people interviewed, people who've owned music shops, who are musicians in the 70s and part of the Leeds, very sort of fertile music scene. I mean, it's, it, it, did you use some of that?
3: Yes, definitely. And that was, you know, it was, it was a great thing to have at your disposal, really. It was amazing. So I had, I think I used um, Dave Beer, who uh, started Back to Basics nightclub. Um, I'm into, I sort of mixed him in with some tabla sounds and some dance music. And then he was sort of talking over the top of that. Um, and I also used Anita Morris, who um, is, was part of the reggae scene. Um, and she was talking about being a sort of female fronted well, female all female uh, reggae band um, from Leeds which you know you sort of think now of bands from Leeds or bands from the north but at the time you know it was still very London centric the music scene and, and she was saying how powerful it was to sort of be two young women from, from Leeds and, and be on that scene and, and being at the Brits with the Spice Girls and, and all these sort of stuff so some really great audio from the exhibition that we were able to use and also build on and develop Yeah
4: that's right I, like, you know there are just fantastic interviews in there that you know in, in the in the piece that I was working on I used things like interview with Jabbar Karim from Fever FM and um, uh, lots of others and I kind of almost took them as a, a jumping off point so I took you know an interview with Hunter Smith who ran Jumbo Records and then also went and interviewed Lornette Smith who who ran it with him uh, for all those years and um, you know with Jabbar I was able to go off and find some, some audio of, of of his uh, underground radio days, which I, I, you know, was thrilled to find, and just kind of pull all sorts of, you know, basically build on what what the exhibition had done already with their brilliant interviews, and bring in other kind of uh, things that we found, and and then our own kind of, you know, sort of uh, things that we added to it in terms of music, sort of production, and other field recordings to to sort of bring it into a bit of an immersive sound piece or journey.
2: And it kind of fits with the, what, there's some continuity, because I'm thinking of the uh, that fantastic series on Leeds Jazz Verity that you did.
3: Yes, yeah. Yes, it was fantastic, I feel like. <laughs> it was a fantastic experience, it really was. Um, and uh, just meeting all of those people and being... I don't know, it's sort of thrown into a world that goes back decades of amazing musicians, which really haven't been celebrated in the city. And and I think we were able to do that with with Sonic Stops. And, and, and I think also using the, the actual journey of the bus was really powerful because you get that experience of moving through communities. So, you know, the south to north journey, um, you start in Middleton, and I use like the sounds of the brass bands because obviously this area is huge huge um, pit area back in, back in the day, and there's still sort of brass bands going and that kind of culture. And that sonically move through the brass band um, and into tabla playing um, where there's obviously a big tradition of Indian classical music in the Beeston area centred around the Sikh temple in particular and being able to sort of fuse that if if you imagine being on a bus you know, you'll get all the, the people from Middleton getting on and then you get more people from Beeston coming on so those sounds have a real authenticity about them and, and, and really reflect the different communities that you're going to get on that journey and, and move between and we felt that I think was really an important thing to convey in the pieces that we made.
2: Any particular high points for you? In, any surprises? Any astonishments? <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> it- well, <laughs> don't um, worry, don't worry. It's, it's hard to pick from them, you know, know. It's like yeah, I don't yeah. want to, or don't want to choose one over the other. I mean, you know, it was fantastic. I think also something we haven't mentioned as well is that you know it was fantastic working with the um some different artists that we commissioned to do kind of either write or sort of improvise, um, some pieces that we we wove throughout both pieces. Mm. Um, and that was you know that was really lovely experience and I really enjoyed, you know, um. Like in terms of sound, um, Andy Brown's glass heart playing was a real kind of oh, motif beautiful. for me throughout Absolutely the piece, gorgeous. and you know, kind of weaving in and out. And, and so that was that was just lovely to have that. And of course, Joe Williams' brilliant piece about the Fish Jubilee sing- Singers. Um, I'd seen him do a, a great talk about them, and so he was able to kind of distill that down into a, a piece at the at the heart of the the West to East one, which I you know I really enjoyed as well.
2: Fantastic. Well, we're going to be hearing uh, South to North in a few minutes time thank you so much for giving us some uh contacts and we're gonna be hearing uh east to west west to
4: east west to east west to east uh,
2: (laughs) next week as well so um a real chance to to immerse ourselves in that in those worlds that you've created really lovely so anything finally coming up for better songs that we should know about
3: well i'm currently working on um i'm currently working on a, a develop your own creative practice grant that the arts council have given me to take the audio work that i'm doing and turn it into live improvised performances through dj turntables and decks um so really kind of bringing it to a different audience if you like really playing about with sound but in a, in a live performance way which is really exciting slightly terrifying if I'm honest Peter um, but it is it's is—it's—it's a lot of fun and I'm the project I'm working I'm actually taking the jazz documentary that you mentioned earlier um, and kind of taking all the bits of it remixing it doing all these strange things through the decks and I'll be performing the story of Leeds jazz remixed at High Park Book Club Jazz Festival um, on the 31st of July um, so that's the kind of debut of this uh, months and months of residency and work and rehearsal and all sorts of things Where where, where all will be revealed. So that's quite exciting at the moment.
2: Sounds great. I've just written that down. You might have heard me (laughs) scrawling there. 31st of July. Brilliant. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Great. Uh, Rosie, anything you're working on particularly?
4: Um, well, right now I'm I'm working on a bit of sound design for uh, another spooky story or strange tale with Matthew Bellwood. So uh, we we right. d- I think we might have played one of those we did. We uh, maybe a year ago. Thing. So we're yeah. doing another one. Um, so that's a lot of fun with a lot of radio kind of strange frequency sounds happening. So I'm enjoying playing with that. Um, and the other thing to briefly mention I know we've said it a couple of times, but it's uh, before on Chapel FM. But we uh, the other project that we me and verity were working on for a long time last year was memento mori which is a four-part podcast about peter mitchell's photographs of cory hill flats um and that is out now on podcast platforms to listen to
2: yes and we we will be hosting uh an exhibition of peter mitchell's fantastic photographs when we reopen officially in uh in the september october this year at chapel fm so yeah we must we must rebroadcast that with your permission a few well we'll talk about that another time but yeah yeah thanks ever <laughs> so great. much to uh to both of you and uh, brilliant to hear what you're doing and really looking forward to hearing these two wonderful pieces of audio
3: thank you peter thank thanks you so both much, peter. bye bye bye
0: love the control Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM.
5: Joshua Muff, He was listed as a Music and Musical Instrument Dealer and Insurance Agent in 1820, and we know that he made it because there's an inscription inside the carcass of the instrument which actually says Joshua Muff, made in Leeds, 1820. Usual instrument, and it works on the principle of graded glasses that you have to make vibrate with your finger, sort of turning rubbing around the rim, which people may be familiar with um, from having tried this with their wine glass. And it produces a sort of very um, sounds a bit like um, something slightly electronic um, and sci fi. is all about yeah, particular sound waves and vibrations. This particular item was purchased um, in 1953, but also around the 1950s is when the um, music shop was being built in um, Abbey House, in the street. Um, it was the Mark Deer Love Shop, and that came
6: about in 1952. At Kirkstall Abbey Museum Leeds, you can see a fascinating collection of shops and craft workshops, which have been erected in a maze of cobbled streets and alleyways, guaranteed to take you straight back to the early days of the last century. The music shop, however, with its bay-fronted window displaying violins, flutes, and faded manuscripts of bygone hit tunes, goes back even further than that. The owner's name, stated boldly above the window in letters of gold, is Mark Dearlove. It is with him and with his descendants that our story deals. It's told in part by the director of the Leeds City Museums, Maynard Mitchell. Well, this
7: isn't a very large shop as modern shops go, uh, but in the 18th and 19th centuries, they were roughly about this size. That is about 24 square feet. Now, the shop itself is completely filled with all the paraphernalia, the equipment, and indeed the goods which would be sold in a musical instrument makers shop uh, of the last century, the beginning of the last century. At the back of the shop, this is bench where all the tools necessary for the making of violins are displayed. In the shop itself, there's an ornate counter, there are harps, and double bass, uh, music stand, music stools and the like. But it's the shop window itself with its golden glow which uh, particularly attracts people. And here we have a miscellaneous assortment of musical instruments. Thus there are cellos, uh, violins, violas, clarionets, oboes, cornets, uh, even a piano-practicing keyboard. This is completely silent, and you can take it with you on the bus or the train and do your practicing there. In fact, I'd recommend this to some of these modern beat groups. They wouldn't annoy their neighbours when they were practicing at night. Uh, now, I don't play in the Hallé. In fact, I don't play any musical instrument at all, but I can certainly produce a sound out of this. It's got uh, a typical Mersey sound, but not the sound that you think of. It's the more like a ship coming up the river. Just listen. Not the sound one would expect from the Beatles. instruments, including the cello and a double bass, were actually made by two men, the Mark Dearlove who founded the shop in Brick at Leeds in the year 1770, and his son Mark William.
5: Mark Dearlove and Sons um, claim to have been founded in 1797, but we first find them listed in um, Leeds trade directories in 1809 when Mark Dearlove was listed as a music seller in Boar Lane. In 1816 to 1817, we have Mark Dearlove, Union Inn Yard, Brigate, Musical Instrument Makers. 1817, Mark Dearlove, Musical Instrument Maker at 4 Rayson's Yard, Brigate. 1818 to 20, Mark Dearlove, 4 Boar Lane, Musical instrument maker 1822 to 1826: Mary Dear Love. Musical instrument maker and dealer for Boar Lane. She was the widow of Mark Dear Love.
8: post on the end of uh, the blocks of terrace houses there wasn't you know, the other big drums Xerox, a bunch of stuff up and plaster them on and they were all completely covered this patchwork of every available surface bus stop we were just covered in um, people's gig flyers and it was, it was yeah it seemed quite exciting this sense that lots lots
9: of things were happening We'd we'd be using all the different venues the be me and Duncan going fly posting all over lead six, um, obviously you're not allowed to do that, in fact you weren't allowed to do it at the time to be honest, but everybody did You know, I remember the time we'd get chased up Brudenell Road um, you know, uh, we'd be there with our bucket of um, paste and roll of posters and uh, we'd be like running for our lives because there was somebody after us with a baseball bat <laughs> and it was like, god we're going to get killed here, what are we doing?
8: You basically plan your whole week and weekend by just things you'd see on the walls. You know the big posters for like the new Oasis single and things like this, big gigs, but you've got all these
9: little sort of tatty uh, photocopied ones.
4: Yeah, it was like your diary.
10: You didn't need a diary, you had cops and robbers.
9: This would be 1994, I would say. And at that point you looked around and you saw all the bands that were playing in that area. Um, and it was, it was just um, an incredible time. There was so much going on and I think, um, you know, Leeds has always been like this. It's always been very, very eclectic. Leeds just had a bit of everything, uh, but always kind of very um, grassroots mainly um, and kind of, kind of DIY.
8: house gigs it was 97
10: 97 Brunel Road
8: Yeah, they were just called 97 are you going to
10: 97 um, then there was 17 and uh, stuff. they had a
8: really big back garden in Leeds all the houses just had numbers <laughs> <laughs> and then 120 rats and they used to have all sorts of groups I think I think it was uh, Tuesday nights uh, there used to be like a kind of free for all anyone could put a gig on and at the weekend, they'd put the big anarchist punk bands on. Me and our housemates all formed a group because we said, can anyone play at this? And he said, yeah, if you've got a band, you can play it. So we formed a group with just the express purpose of playing playing a gig at 120 Rats. But yeah, it encouraged you to get it, you know, pick something up and give it a go.
11: In the early 90s, um, my parents were working there as uh, what you used to call steward and stewardess, you know, landlady and landlord. In that period, you start to bring in alternative kind of uh, events. I'm Nathan Clark from the Broodnell Social Club in Leeds, and I do most things Mm -hmm. there.
9: So I was walking down Queen's Road, and uh, you know, I always I, I passed this place, and it was always so—I don't know—and it was at the back of a car park, and it was only next door to the Royal Park, uh, but it looked like really interesting, and it kind of enticed me in um, to you know. And I was always looking for, for places to play for the band, and. Um, so I went, I went into it and it was the Brudenell that, that showed me around and I looked at the concert room and I just thought wow this is an amazing space you know it's like 400 capacity it's all really kind of plush you know it's got a, got a really nice bar it's on different levels it's got a big stage there and this is right in the middle of Leeds 6 um, you know wow how come, how come this hasn't been discovered before?
11: In that era,
9: you started to see
11: venues like the Duchess of York, uh, you know, disappear. In a time where there were very few independent spaces, Brunel kind of opened itself up more to that option. And then when you twin it with where it's located in the heart of LS6, it was like the right independent location and space that was opening up to be able to be used at the right time. The brood now or the streets around Hyde Park are where I were born. The streets around here are where i 've grown up and spent most of my life. This is my home it's it 's a place that I think um, personally and a lot of the the community that are around here that care about you 're trying to give um, them another outlet or or a thing that they can either be proud of and come and watch and really enjoy but just an open kind of uh space for creation
1: Joe Williams, and I will share some information with you on the fascinating story of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. I wrote a show on one of their members in 2015 called Sweet Chariot. The singers performed about nine times, all in all, at Leeds Town Hall. The group brought authentic gospel songs to Europe for the first time, such as Steal Away, Go Down Moses and the ever-popular Swing Low Sweet Chariot, now a rugby anthem in England and part of British heritage, due to a history connecting Africans in America. So this recording is to give you a taste to do your own research, uh, if you wish. The Leeds Mercury, November 20th, 1873. A column entitled, The Jubilee Singers. A most interesting party of coloured minstrels will appear in the Leeds Town Hall on Tuesday next. The Jubilee Singers, as they are called, consist of 11 coloured students of Fisk University, one of the institutions founded by the American Missionary Association for the Education of Freedmen. They appear not as professional singers, but as young men and women who, having remarkable musical talents, wish to use those talents for the benefit of the institution to which they belong. They have come to England to raise the remainder of £14,000, which they have undertaken to earn, and which is to pay for the erection of the new Jubilee Hall of Fisk University. Now, they were not exactly what uh, the papers introduced them as, coloured minstrels. These were a a group of uh, gospel singers, but at the time, minstrelsy was very, very popular. The group performed all over Yorkshire, several times on their European tour, performing for royalty in all major nations, but it was in Yorkshire, that they raised more funds than anywhere else. And in fact, there is a Wilberforce Room created at the Fisk University in honour of Yorkshire's generosity. It has to be highlighted that Leeds and Yorkshire, as well as the rest of Britain, benefited from a transatlantic trade at the time that relied on the enslaved labour of Africans in America and the West Indies. One of the members of the group, Thomas Rutling, is actually buried here in Yorkshire, in Harrogate. He died in 1915, which is why we commemorated his passing in 2015 with the show Sweet Chariot, which was supported by the Geraldine Connor Foundation and performed at the Harrogate International Festival. For that project, I relied on the brilliant research of some wonderful historians from the Diasporan Stories Research Group particularly members Alison Edwards and Audrey Dugy. am forever in their debt. Thomas Rutling organised successful concerts locally and in other parts of Yorkshire and performed all over the country. Thomas wrote an autobiography called Simply Tom. Here he explains what he did after several years touring Europe with the Fisk Jubilee Singers. Having studied singing under the best masters in all the countries where i had lived on the continent i came to england as a qualified tenor vocalist i decided finally to become a teacher of singing and began that art in harrogate yorkshire in november 1891 here headmasters of boys' schools learned that I had a knowledge of some European languages and positions were offered me as visiting Master. We learn much about his life and it's, it's a great read but here he recounts hearing that he was to be free. One night the report of Lincoln's proclamation came. Now, Master had a son who was a young doctor. I always thought him the best man going. He used to give me money and didn't believe much in slavery. Next morning, I was sitting over in the slave quarters, waiting for breakfast, when the young doctor came along and spoke to my brother and sister at the front door. I supposed it was about work, but they jumped up and down and shouted and sang and then told me, I was free.
6: Lots of stores gave over quite a large space for music, displaying it, and also booths to listen to it. Um, Valances was one, they had a whole wall, probably 20 listening booths.
0: My first day, um, I went down the stairs because the record department was in a basement. I can remember walking down the steps, and there was a young man who worked behind the counter and he put the Safaris Wipeout record on and he staggered it so the whole department just echoed of ha 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 Wipeout <laughs> it was just funny. You know. oh, My name's Madalena Croyd I started work uh, in 1965 at Valances on the Hedgerow in Leeds I used to get all the demo records from the record companies I used to take them home and listen to them Um, We used to sell them to all the DJs and decided which records to stock. Uh, We had a feature in the paper, The Girls Who Could Foretell the Stars. When the Beatles album first came out there with the Beatles, I can remember Lenny Lyons going down to EMI in London with a transit van, filling the transit van with Beatles albums and coming back up and people queuing round the hedgerow. A couple of guys came in that used to put um, venues on. They came in really excited one day. Danny and Stuart, they called them. And they said, we've got Hendrix for uh, Ilkley. And they managed to put a show on at the Beck in Ilkley. And we went along with them. But unfortunately, the police stopped it. So the whole place ended up in a bit of a, a shambles.
6: My name's Hunter Smith. Um, I used, started Jumbo Records in 1971, and retired in uh, 2014. When we started, H and B by then were really big, and then there was other shops like Seaman, Heard, Valances still had a small record department, kitchens, and then these sort of leftover shops from the uh, from the 50s that were winding down and things like that. Round Leeds, there was tiny little shops here, there and everywhere.
12: Anybody that was interested in more left-field stuff found it difficult to get the music because obviously they weren't stocking reggae, they weren't really stocking um, good selections of jazz.
6: We, We specialised a lot in soul and reggae and things like that where it was never played on the radio. So people needed to hear it and then punk hit down. But we are just in the right way, because a lot of the punks really like reggae and blue and things like that. And so, late 70s, the shop just took off.
12: You go into a place and you want that kind of familiarity, you want that friendliness. My name is Lorna Smith, and for the greater part of 40 odd years, um, as a partner at Jumbo Records. So what we found was that the two things were symbiotic. You would, you would play um, a gig at the university and then the students would come into the shop and support you. Um, and so, in a way, it worked great as a, um, a means of keeping friendliness in the shop
6: we devoted quite a lot of the walls in the shop to putting gig posters up. And and so people come in, they look up on the wall, we sold tickets, they saw the, um, where we were in the St John Centre for a long period. We had a coffee bar next door, so people would come in, get a coffee, and then stand around chatting on Saturday morning. So, yeah, I was keen to actually develop that a sense of community and relaxed atmosphere.
12: Andy Kershaw. Well, he was the um, social secretary at Leeds University at the time. Um, well, he started to work with Billy Bragg, and I remember he came in and said, "Would you like to put Billy Bragg on in the in the shop?" And I thought, sort of, we we kind of, thought, oh, how's it? How's that going to work? And actually he came and the shop was absolutely full, outside in the corridors was full. And he just bought a, a little, um, his guitar and he stood on the, on the steps in the shop and played. And it was the most fantastic experience. You know, just somebody playing live in a little shop with hundreds of people just Turning up to watch him play.
11: I loved you then as I love you still. Though I put you on a bit, still I put you on a bill. I don't feel bad about letting you go. I just feel sad about letting. You go
13: Irish music is, is, is something I've, I've personally—I've been involved with since I was probably seven or eight years of age. But it's only probably more in recent times that, um, as, as I've been more involved with the organisation, it's realised that, that, that um, traditional Irish music—it just—it's just something that sort of seems to pull people together. My name is Des Early. Um, I'm the chief executive of the Irish Arts Foundation. Well, my, my dad uh, passed away a few years ago, God rest him. Uh, he was from uh, County Galway, uh, a place called Loughray and Athenry. for anybody who knows that part of the uh, country, big, big hurling country as much as traditional Irish music as it was back then. Uh, and my mum, she's still with us. Um, and she was from uh, County Mayo, the south part of the country, near uh, probably nearest the Roscommon border. Um, They both arrived here separately, um, met in Leeds in the early 50s and uh, we've, I suppose like a lot of people of that generation, they wanted to pass the traditions down, things like music, dance, sport, and just happened that myself and my brother uh, we all took up uh, traditional Irish music and uh, hopefully we're helping to carry it, pass on those traditions. We go back an awful long time with traditional Irish music in the, in the city, and, and I remember my dad, God rest him, he'd say some of the um, some of the places that you, you down on often forgotten now, but down on Hunslet Road coming into into town, there would have been uh, places where the Irish community would have socialised, uh, traditional music, music sessions would have gone on in those sort of places. Anybody who's familiar with the geography of Leeds, coming into Leeds from down the Chapeltown Road and the Roundy Road area of town, all those um, all, all those public houses down there, uh, a lot of them uh, obviously did, have been pulled down now. Um, many of those pubs, even during the week, uh, would have had uh, Irish music, whether it be kind of the country and Irish side or the traditional. Irish music side, and then obviously, just only a couple of miles further from there, going back many years after post-famine, the, the area around Richmond Hill, uh, which is known as the Bank there, and and I suppose as, as things have evolved, that was it's, that's that's the area of the town where the um, the Irish Centre was built back in 1970. The Irish Centre—it's um, been a fabulous resource for um, for the Irish community over the over the last 50 years, and, and long may it continue. Um, but from my point, of view, I, I started playing in the early 70s. I was the youngest, and there was about 10 of us, and all our parents. The, you know, my, my dad played the flute a little bit. Another good good friends, lifelong friends. Uh, Dad play the fiddle, they, 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 were, they were basic musicians who'd learnt, the, who'd learnt the music by ear and they, they were wanting to pass the uh, tradition on to their, to, to their children um, and, and we were going up to the Irish Centre for lessons on a, on a Sunday afternoon and uh, teach John Ferguson who was parents at the Regent Hotel. Uh, John sort of took us all under uh, on the, on the his wing and um, as a Cayley as a, as a band, um, we, we were probably like 11, 12, 13, but we, we actually had the audacity to, to, to go to, to win the All Britain Championship. And, and for two years on the bounce, we actually went to Ireland and won the All Ireland Championship uh, as the J- junior Cayley band. And, and, and even now, the, there's been a couple of reunions in recent years. And we're we're also in our fifties and early sixties, and we're still known as the Leeds Junior Kayleigh Band.
14: I'm the Managing Director of Fever FM. It started back in the summer of 1989. Previous to that, I was a a DJ in the nightclubs uh, from college days. And uh, a bunch of Asian people got hold of me and said, look, you're the first DJ we know. Uh, Could you do something about uh, music for the Asian community? I knew uh, a person in Chapel Town, Hopper, and uh, he was good enough to help me with the transmission. So we launched by September 1989, and we went as an underground station called Apni Awaz, which means otherwise. People of Leeds and West Yorkshire, you gotta be witty to come against me and Gunny. Yeah. Radio Apni Awaz, PO Box HP 22, Leeds LS6. Now the next dedication is coming from DJ Gunny himself, the man called Gunny.
11: Yes, who man could come and test DJ Gunny and DJ Jab Jab because we're ruthless, we're reckless, we just spin on the decks like no one's business.
14: Of course the authorities weren't happy about it but then at the same time we were just students that loved music and uh, we found that uh, within a month or so one of the persons asked me to announce uh, a funeral. Now, in the Muslim community, a funeral is held within 24 hours of someone passing away, and we announced it throughout the evening on that night. Uh, I was shocked how many people had got the information from the radio. And then I realized it wasn't just music. The radio was more about inf- local information that became very powerful, but the music played a big part <laughs> How are you tonight for being Ruksana and Salma? I hope you're dancing to this It's dedicated to us from you and Baljit. Pop up the Pop up
12: the Pop up the
14: we never looked back really and then the authorities got involved and said look, we know you're not not criminals or anything but you need a a license and I said we're happy to pay for a license we have plenty of support so we we went along with that and in October 2005 uh, after a full year wait, uh, they said our application was successful and we were able to launch our radio which we did in March 2007.
10: Hi, my name's Aisha Iqbal Khan. I'm a journalist, a broadcast journalist working currently for BBC Radio Leeds. Now, my relationship with Viva FM... And also my own radio journey started back in 2009 when I was organising a fundraising event, popped into the Viva FM studios and Jabbar kindly invited me onto a show to speak to him. And, um, you know, we're just having a lovely chat, a nice bit of banter. And he said to me, have you ever fancied radio? And I thought, no, I haven't really. But he said, why don't you come in and do some shows? Because that's the ethos of Viva FM. My, my own musical tastes are very eclectic and I do and always have listened to a lot of Western music um, and I liked kind of fusion sounds. One artist that I kept playing over and over again, Punjabi Hit Squad, for example, who are a, a big Desi beats band from the, 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 the noughties, the late 90s into the noughties. And that's kind of my era um, and they do combine very much kind of Western beats and, and kind of rap with um, Punjabi lyrics. I personally love... Sufi uh, music like kawali it's called, qawwali is a very very beautiful type of music that comes out of the subcontinent. It's devotional something that is sung in praise of God but then it's been um, adapted over time. Um, I always found that amazingly spiritually uplifting as well as musically just really really enjoyable so I did a lot of shows where I would play a lot of Sufi music and Sufi inspired music um, and then another band that I would play over and over again was Janoon, who are a massive um, super band really, the original Sufi rock band who came out of Pakistan uh, they combined western rock music with the Sufi devotional sound Some of the most special times I had when I was um, involved with the station, every year we would have an open day, and we would literally get hundreds of people coming in, um, just just to visit, um, and they would be asking for the presenters by name, and um, you know you built up a really personal relationship with your listeners. And even when I was presenting shows again, we used to get so many calls coming in uh, to the studio, um, and it just goes to show that it is a beloved part of the community. <laughs>
8: عايز اللي شاف
4: Love the haiku. Love the sonnet. Love the quatrain and the couplet.
3: Love the words. From East Leeds FM.